0: Hey, welcome back to e-crime Bites. This is the CEO that SimSwap is competitor, Jonathan Manzi. This is the plea and oh boy, are we going to find out some shit here? The, the plea usually involves two things. It involves a written document that the government and the defendant will sign and file together. So there's usually information in there, but there's also a plea hearing and the plea hearing is what Seth's going to talk about. And this is where they talk about this document and whether or not this document is going to be valid, whether the court's going to accept this document and so forth. So that is the background you need to understand to get into what Seth's about to walk you through at the plea hearing and take it away, Seth.
1: Okay. So we have a plea hearing in mid December of 2022. And at this plea hearing, we find out some shit. So we learned that Manzi may have contacted witnesses in the kiosk printing industry before his plea was entered. That's a hard no-no. We also learned that uh, Manzi viewed the LinkedIn profile for Pepper and the judge had told him specifically to stop this during his plea hearing. So specifically, uh, we have some, I guess, notations here from the court where the court claims the concerns essentially were that you, as in Mr. Manzi, uh, were continuing to have contact with people and working with people that could be witnesses in this case. As you guys know, there's obviously a lot of laws at the federal and state level uh, against and prohibiting, obviously, witness tampering, which this certainly would have been. Um, and there were concerns about the court continues. There were concerns about why you had once you moved to Massachusetts is where the concerns really came a head. And they basically say they're not going to get into what he did or didn't do, basically, that he needs to cut it out. Um, and he tells us, he also instructs uh, Mr. Manzi's attorney to do the same. And that if he doesn't, it'll definitely impact his uh, conditions of release so mr russell the attorney states that they received information and verified information that mr manzi was at least accessing the linkedin account of they were going to say his name they say his initials as tp we know who that is that's mr pepper we do not believe that there was any direct contact but i don't want to make it sound like mr Manzi had contact with the victim but he is it is disconcerting to a victim to have the defendant check his linkedin account and that becomes a little bit of a it's just disconcerting and they basically ask him to cut it out. So again, at best, it's just somebody poking around the internet, trying to see what's going on with a former colleague. But at worst, it's witness tampering. Because, and as I you want know, in LinkedIn, yeah, LinkedIn, there's the ability, of course, to communicate via uh, a chat function or messaging. Yeah, and so
0: I, I want to also point something out to people that don't use LinkedIn because not everybody does. I, I do, and I can tell you. it allows you to see who looked at you. So, if I were to view Seth's profile on LinkedIn, Seth could go to his profile and said, who were the last X number of people that looked at me? And the reason why I said X is it really depends on what how Seth's account is set up. If he has a free account, it gives him something like, I don't know, the last 10 people or something like that, that saw him, that went to his profile if he's a paying customer, I think it goes back 90 days or longer that you can go back and see every person that's viewed your profile. So if you use things like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, pretty much any other social media doesn't have who viewed my account. LinkedIn does. Even when you try, you have to be a paying customer to try to get that information to go away where you can, when you can view people's profiles, your information doesn't show up. That's basically one of the higher level tiers of paying customer. If I remember correctly on LinkedIn. So that's why this information is being seen by Troy peppers because he goes, Hey, who looked at me? And he goes, Oh my God, Jonathan, man, he's, he came to my profile. This is weird. So, you know, obviously. He reported that to the government's attorneys and now the government's attorneys are bringing this up at the plea hearing, which is a time where Jonathan Manzi does not want this information brought up. I'm pretty sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that kind of covers it. So continuing on with the hearing from mid December of 22 and continuing to find out some stuff. You know, The question became of why Mr. Manzi um, is looking up information about Mr. Pepper, especially when the question is whether you're going to trial or whether you're going to be pleading guilty and whether he's supposed to be testifying. So, again, to underst- not to understate it, it sounds like Wisecorp makes such a big deal about who went to LinkedIn and what. It's like that if this was still not necessarily a locked-in plea agreement, and it could have gone to trial, and Mr. Pepper not only was a witness, but likely the witness, right? He was the reason that Mr. Manzi went on his revenge or hackback, back, back um, you know, uh, uh, brigade there. Certainly would have been problematic for having him contacting Mr. Pepper. This is something that doesn't really get brought up a lot in the security world, but in the legal world, and especially in the litigation world, especially in criminal law, it is obviously a big deal to not contact a witness this happens and it is a big problem.
0: Yeah. And so that was a plea hearing and there was a plea agreement and it was accepted. So in the U S court process, and I'm saying U S specifically here, cause I know a quarter of our audio listeners are from overseas. You plead to something, but you don't necessarily plead to a specific sentence. You don't say I'll plea to this. If I only get 30 days. You usually plead to something and you could possibly have a range that you plead to now in an episode coming up in an episode or two, there is a plea that I researched where they said, Hey, if it's over two years, then this plea agreement does not exist or or it it doesn't hold, or I won't plead guilty. If it's going to end up, if I end up getting sentenced over two years, we're going to go to trial. Basically is what that said. I've seen that, but I've never seen anything very specific where, you know, they they are locked in. They might know a slight range and they're hoping for the best and hoping it's not going to be the worst. And we know the best possible case is going to be six months for Jonathan Manzi here. So we get to the sentencing hearing, which is where the judge listens to both sides and then makes his decision, makes his or her decision on what the sentence is, they're going to give the defendant at this sentencing hearing, I guess the defendant's attorney. So Jonathan Manzi's attorney made this analogy, which I, I, I listen, I researched this case months ago and I'm still pondering this analogy where he said, Hey, this is kind of like someone who burglarized a home to get back his wife's stolen wedding ring. And I sat there and I was like, holy shit, I I hope that was an informal conversation with news people and not in the court transcript, because even if it was stolen by somebody, you have recourse in that case where you could go to the police officers and go, hey, my stolen wedding ring is in this guy's house, please go get it, just like you could do in the computer sense, and It was just a mind-blowing analogy in my mind. All right. So at the end of the sentencing hearing, and I didn't give you the date, the sentencing hearing was April 21st of 2023. So we're now in this year that we recorded this podcast, but we fast forward a month or two after the plea. The plea was, let me tell you, it was December 14th of 2022. Sentencing is April 21st of 2023. God damn, what a long time to wait to find out your sentencing.
1: Okay, so now we are at late April of 2023. Sentencing. So how much did he get? Well, it's actually worse than you think. It's a total of 18 months. He received nine months on counts one. And then nine months as to count two. But they are to be served consecutively, not concurrently. So the court recommended that he report to a federal facility somewhere near his home in Beverly, Massachusetts. I'm not sure where that is in Massachusetts. So he got 18 months. Now, it also comes with some conditions here. Upon release, he has to be involved in some supervised release scenarios. So he cannot act or make any agreement with a law enforcement agency to act as a confidential human source or informant without first getting permission of the court. He is prohibited from incurring any new credit charges or opening additional lines of credit without prior written approval of the PO or probation officer. And this one I thought was interesting: You must attend, successfully complete, and pay for an approved cognitive behavioral based program as directed by the PO. Which means he basically needs to deal with his anger management issues. That's the way I read that. Um, and then we, you know, we see sometimes these restitutions are either absurdly high. You know, that, you know, for somebody who was essentially um, otherwise a penniless uh, perpetrator, you know, has to pay back a million dollars or something small like $10,000, right? He got a fine of $630,000, which I think directly ties to how much money he deprived WEPA and their business side. Uh, we know apparently about 400000 had already been paid, which is based on a civil lawsuit to WEPA, so he'd owe the remainder of that. So then we thought that was interesting. Um, If he continues to be a millionaire CEO, that shouldn't be a problem. Although it would make me give pause before I worked with somebody who was a CEO of a company to know that they owed money related to a criminal proceeding. But what do I know?
0: Yeah, he also owes Troy Pepper $25,000 personally.
1: Right. Thank you. I left that out. Yeah, TP is also owed uh, $25,000
0: personally. Thank you. And that's it for Act 3, because in Act 4, we're going to talk about Mansi's response. And you say his response to what? His response to all that shit we just told you about. So he thought his minimum was six months. I thought he possibly was going to get six to 12 months based on what we knew about the case at the time. He got 18 months, so he's probably a pissed off motherfucker at this point. And he writes an article that's on his public LinkedIn, and we're going to read it to you because this is just the other side of the story. And I think it's important. We're going to read you all the um, reasons why he thinks he was okay to do what he did, which was hack back. And I'm using my air quotes again. So thanks for listening to Act 3 and hope to see you in Act 4 of the CEO, Jonathan Manzi, SimSwaps' competitor.